0: Okay, welcome back for another episode of the podcast. I'm super excited to have today's guest. It is the newly appointed chief managing officer of Dr. Trish Lee and Company. Uh, and you that, know her. As, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> so know, good. Doesn't it? You know her <laughs> as Jamie. Um, Jamie's with me today. And uh, don't bounce out thinking this doesn't have to do with porn because today we have an amazing podcast planned. We are focusing on the theme this week, of grief and grieving. And before we jump ahead to that, we're talking about resolving trauma and the grief that happens that lingers around after you've experienced something traumatic. So in today's episode, we're going to break it down twofold. It's trauma from the past that needs to be resolved and grief and how to move through the grieving process, which happens in five stages. And I made a video on YouTube. If you want to break that down even more, go on over to that video, but that's grief or trauma from the past. But then if you've established a pornography habit, likely that has become the coping mechanism for you to deal with that trauma and grief that you have experienced. So there also usually needs to be a component of grieving the loss of porn in your life because porn has played an important role for many people. And Jamie and I know we talked to a lot of people about leaving porn behind. It can leave a uh, micro to a macro-sized hole in your psyche and in your life. So we're going to talk about those two important things. And the reason Jamie is here is because she has so graciously um, agreed, or actually it was her suggestion, her idea, has graciously offered to share her experience of very traumatic events that create trauma and grief in her life and how she was able to move through it and move past it and get out of survival mode and into thrive mode using the techniques in the Porn Brain Rewire program. So without further ado, Jane, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it.
1: I am so very excited about this. Um, I, you know, have enjoyed you know working here and you know to be able to help other people um and whenever I do tell them kind of my testimony and my little my story um it really is a review of you know not only what I've been through but you know how your program truly saved my life because you know going through those grieving stages um I wasn't able to truly grieve, um, and, and go through them correctly. So, you know, not getting the, the true help that I needed. Um, and then when you reached out to me to come and work for you, um, taking the 90 day program as a prerequisite, so I would know what this is about, um, I put those, you know, into action and it absolutely changed my life. And I am so very grateful for that. Um, and wanted people to know, you know, what, um, what it can do for them and how it can change their life as well. So, um, you know, that's why I offered to you Know yeah, be on and it's here. So cool. And
0: yeah, and people I uh, you know, I know you're gonna blow the doors off people when they hear some elements of your story. Um, so I'm excited to get to that. But you know, I am really glad that you're here and it's pretty wild, you know, if people are listening and if you've been a listener on the podcast or if you've been following me on my YouTube channel, uh, you know, if our energy vibes, I want to encourage you to reach out to us because. The weird thing about hiring Jamie was like, she popped up on LinkedIn, which I never go on, by the way, I only go on for work. And somehow like, you know, the universe served you up to me and I was about to hire someone and I just kept seeing your LinkedIn profile. And I reached out to you because, you know, at one time I like looked through it and I'm like, you know, I really think with the elements of the background, I don't even know your personal story at that point, but the elements of your background professionally, I'm like, I think she's going to be a really good fit to be able to show up non-judgmentally. And, you know, with empathy for people, it's really important for me to have a team of people who get it and who want to help people and have been there before. And so then, of course, when you shared your personal story, you know, blew my doors off and, you know, just the way you show up for people is amazing. So, um, So let me just start kind of prime the pump with the ideas on sharing your story that, you know, when... When we have trauma in our life, we try to bury it because trauma hurts. So step number one, let's bury the pain, right? Yeah. Because it's a lot to deal with. And we know what that looks like in people's brains. It lowers the power in the brain. It's slowing in the brain to try to dampen all that anxiety. And you feel lost. You feel overwhelmed. So what did you do before we met? Because I know you told me you kind of, you were trying to fix and feel better and, and you went to see other people, what was that experience like for you?
1: So, um, I had worked in, in mental health, um, in, in addiction for many years, um, uh, family history of addiction. Um, so, you know, that was a, a natural fit. Um, my, my mother happened to actually work there at, uh, Freedom House as well. And, um, Working at Freedom House was great in the aspect of, you know, seeing people at their lowest and, you know, trying to lift them up to um, just, you know, being empathetic and and being, you know, one of the things that um, I had went to a conference one time and, and the conference was about, you know, treating everybody you meet like they are trauma victims because, you have no idea what their journey has been. And you know, it really sets the stage of not being judgmental or not. And you know, the the many comments that I get, you know, from people that I, I did work with there is thank you so much for for being your kindness and your your words when I felt that I was at my lowest point in my life. Um which means the world to me and there's no Mm -hmm. greater joy that you can get than being there for somebody or, or helping somebody. So, you know, that, that job was very fulfilling to me. Um, however, you know, the, um, the things that come, after that, it, you know, kind of uh, set the stage of, of why I am no longer there and, you know, kind of why I am here. So, yeah. Are you um, willing to
0: share, share there, dig in there a little? (laughs) So um,
1: kind of, you know, backing up, you know, like Dr. Lee said, you know, growing up, I had really kind of a traumatic childhood. Um, Dad was an alcoholic. Um, Mom was, you know, working, three jobs, take care of kids, was never home. We were, you know, kind of able to do what we wanted, but, you know, there still was that longing for, you know, her to be around and to have that, you know, relationship. Um, my sister had cystic fibrosis, my twin sister, actually. Um, and so I became the the mother figure and and had to grow up really quickly um, and, you know, give her PTs and make sure she took her medicine and, and just kind of make sure she was doing what she was supposed to so she could stay healthy and out of the hospital. Um, and uh, working at at Freedom House, um, like I said, my, my mother had also worked there, too, for many years. She um, also had a an addiction um, and we. She had been there for for 13 years, so it was something she had ended up getting 20 years clean Um, she did some amazing things. She created the first women's house in, in Durham, which is, you know, a house where, you know, addicts go to live to learn how to live life, you know, differently. And, um, so she did some wonderful things and her, her, you know, her passion was helping people and, and being able to, to get them out of the, the. The hole that they filled therein, and to actually start living life again. So, you know, it it was amazing seeing you know the things that she did, and I was just in awe of of her. Um, then she happened to uh, relapse due to you know some um, things that happened in her life, and it you know as a coping mechanism, it was just, I'll take this one you know actually she went on a cruise and you know she thought I get I guess you know being 20 years clean that oh, I can do this and one's not gonna not gonna you know do anything but Mm -hmm. she went down this really um just a spiral that you know was was really um scary so Mm -hmm. to see that and to you know I had to become that mother figure again, you know, to Mm -hmm. go and check up and make sure she was okay. And, and, um, however, during that time, there was a person, we had a, um, house that was on the Freedom House grounds. Um, Freedom House had an, an inpatient recovery where you go in and you actually detox, and they have um, outpatient where, you know, just you go in and have, you know, regular mental health um, appointments. And then there were two houses that you could stay in for 90 days or 90 days to six months where you, you know, learn again how to live life um, differently and, um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of having rules and, you know there are schedules and you stick to them and you, you know, you, you get back. Absolutely. So, you know, you have to have those in your life in order to, you know, truly um, live the life that you need to, you know, it's, it's, Uh even though we're adults, it doesn't mean that, you know, those are, you know, equally as important. Um, So Mm -hmm. in those houses, there was a gentleman that um, we were always friendly to everybody. And, the men's house was connected to the, um, offices where, where we were and we would go out, you know, at lunch or break into the middle and, you know, talk with the guys and how's your day and, you know, um, what's going on. And, you know, it just really became a place that we got to become friends with a lot of them and, and, you know, they felt really comfortable talking about things and, um, they, you know, (sighs) We're kind of the people that you know you you have never met a stranger. so you know its <laughs> it was there would be some pretty interesting conversations going on. but you know the the point is we had met an individual that um was really nice, but he he became very fond of my mom and um there was a lot of, you know, he flirting and things like that and and she really tried to you know, push it back and and tell him, you know, this is not appropriate. Back off. I'm, you know, this is my job. Um, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. she ended up losing that job over, you know, continuing to drink. And it kind of, because it was obviously any type of addiction will spiral out of control if you continue. And when that happened, um, he ended up not graduating, he ended up leaving the house and ended up I guess, doing his own thing. Um, Somehow there was a connection again. And I'm not sure. um, I I know that he had ended up getting her number um, and had reached out to her for help. And my mom, no matter what situation, she always trying to help somebody in need um i think that was the part that she felt you know that she had missed a lot of when we were young and it was something that like i said you know there's there's a few things in life that you can get from other people and helping other people is one of the, the true gifts that, you know, Mm -hmm. money can't buy, you know, it's, it's not materialistic. It truly is a feeling that is um, amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He had reached out to her and um, she ended up going to pick him up and they, you know, ended up having a, a, a night of, of drinking. She called me the next day and she was like, I, did, don't know why I did this. I, you know, I need you to come over here. I need him out of my house. I want to go to detox. And so I went over and took her to detox, took him back to Chapel Hill. And, you know, that was, that was the end of it. As I thought, um, two weeks later, there was, um, I had talked to my mom on a Friday and, there was no sign of, of anybody being there. Um, you know, I was, it was a great conversation because she, after being out of, out of work, she was trying to find a new job. And so we were, we were tweaking up her resume to, you know, try to find something else. She had been clean for two weeks. She was doing really well. Um, Mm -hmm. apparently that night, um, he had reached out again and, or, I'm not sure when the the connection ended up happening, but um, the next day I went to go spend the night with my sister. She was in ICU. Um, she has cystic fibrosis, like I said, so she was in and out of the hospital, but during that time, she was pretty sick, and um, I went to go spend the night with her, and um, we re-rotated, uh, turns to, you know, spend time with her to make sure she wasn't up there alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got a call at 11:30 PM and it was from my mom's phone and it said, call me back. And it was a man's voice. And I looked at my sister and I said, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't sound right. Something's going on. I need to go over there. And she looked at me and she said, no, you're not. You're staying right here with me. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because that was my, I guess, kind of codependent and in, in being, <laughs> you know, helping her and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to be there to support her. And, you know, she put her foot down. She was like, no, you're here with me. You're going to stay here with me. And so I didn't go. Um, I tried calling all night, all day. I couldn't get anybody. When I left the hospital, I rode by her house and I didn't see her car. So I said, maybe she's at the grocery store. I'll, I'll you know, come back later. Um, it was you know Sunday, and you know Sunday you're you're getting ready for work week. You've got you know your <laughs> child getting ready for school. So mm-hmm. it, it was just one of those things that I wasn't able to to get back over there. Um, that Monday, I had a really bad feeling. There was just that, you know, you you have that gut feeling that you just can't get rid of. And I got to work and, and I worked in Chapel Hill. So um, I at Freedom House and, and I said to my HR manager, I said, you know, at lunch, I'm going to go by my mom. Something's not right. She's not answering the phone. And I just am not, you know, I know something isn't right. And I got sick. I ran to the bathroom and just threw up something, you know, is that intuition. Um, and so I, I called for a well check and, um, said, you know, I haven't heard from my mom. I'm concerned. Can you have somebody, you know, go by there? I'm going to be on my way, you know, in, in just an hour. Um, well, he called the, the policeman, called me back and said, um, we need you to come over here right away. So, Obviously, I knew something was not right. Um, right. yeah, and I called my grandmother to let her know. you know, we call her me Ma." <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, "Me ma, something's not right. you know so the the police told me to get over to Mom's house as soon as possible. Um, you know, they were closer than I was, um and I called my brother to let him know, so obviously they were able to get over there you know faster. Um, when I got there they had obviously called me to let me know that, um, she had, had been murdered. Um, you know, I thought that maybe she had fell and hit her head or, you know, um, had passed out or, you know, something like that. When you hear your mother has been murdered, you know, you just, it's immediate shock there. The, the feeling of, um, the feelings that just kind of cross are just so indescribable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you hear somebody, or a family member has passed is it's, it's hard, you know, just hearing that. But when you, you hear, you know, murdered, all these things are crossing your mind. What could have happened? How, you know? And so, you know, I, I got there, the, the cops that had, you know, me obviously go to the police station to give a statement And, um, I didn't think about this individual at that time, um, until I was at the police station giving my statement and he was asking me questions Mm -hmm. and I said, um, I kind of told him, you know, what happened. She lost her job. She was in a really, you know, um, bad place. Um, She actually was going to get therapy at that time. And, and she was uh, molested as a young child. So she was dealing with a lot of feelings of that. And, and it really kind of, um, I think is a reason why she kind of spiraled um, Mm -hmm. a little bit more than, than what maybe the, the average person would have. But um, anyway, talking to the police (laughs) officer, he asked me, you know, a bunch of questions. And then I finally said, hold on, you know, th- th- there's this guy that, you know, she, I know has the the hots for and, and I found him there two weeks ago and, you know, it, he asked, what's his name? You know, how does he know her? And, and, you know, just all this information. um And I, you know, told him, um, I, I, this is what I know. And, and, you know I, I don't know if it's him I can't uh, confirm that you know that this is you know who it who it is but uh, you know the car's gone so obviously he had uh, has the car yeah. yeah he had taken the car he had taken a TV and a couple of other you know things from her home um and you know after that we obviously you know just had to wait um so they put the waiting
0: out game. the waiting game. Oh, right? God, the waiting game. <laughs> it was
1: so, it, it was really unbearable. Um, so the police put out, you know, a PBB or however you say it. Um, APB. PBB. Yeah. All so, points
0: bulletin. I mean. Yes. So, <laughs> from all of the crime shows I watched.
1: <laughs> one of the, this guy happened to go back to the, one of the places that, that the Freedom House had their regular, AA meetings or Mm -hmm. NA meetings. Um, and they saw him. So, you know, that, that community, the NA community are when one person hears something, it goes like wildfire. Uh (laughs) So Uh when one person heard about this, everybody heard about it. And, and so we had somebody reach out and say, we see him up here, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I called the, the, um, sheriff and I told him. Chitter
0: chatter in the airwaves, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. I told him where he was at. He got picked up the next day, um, with my mom's car and, um, had sold all the stuff that was with, with, you know, with him. Mm -hmm. Um, however, you know, after that he was picked up and, um, she was, she was beat to death with his hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally there was no murder object. It was, you know, something happened that night and I can probably guarantee it was, he asked to borrow her car and Mm -hmm. she flipped out because she didn't let, Anybody drive her a car? <laughs> Not even me. So, um, you know, I, I, you, you question all these things in your mind. What could have? What could have uh, I done? How could have I stopped it? If I would would have went over there, what would have happened? Could I be here? You know, and you, you, mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. stop that questioning. You know, um,
0: what yeah, if what no, if your mind if? and and that you know goes back to? I mean, we did your brain map you know, six months after you started working with me, we did your brain map and your brain was on fire. We couldn't even get your brain map. Yeah. (laughs) So my point about that is, you know, your high beta must've been just cranking through the roof for months and months and on end, on end, you know, so I can imagine.
1: It was. And, you know, so after that period, obviously I was in shock for, for a while. Um, the denial just was unbearable. So, you know, I didn't want to believe that this was true. Um, you know, the anger was so, um, I was angry at everybody. There was not one person that I, uh, the you know, and it's, it's because you, you don't want to believe this and you just want to blame it on anybody you can, you know? Um, and you know, I was drained. I was, I was, I went into this depression that I can't even explain. I could not be there for my daughter, my husband. I, um, I really just was in a very dark place. Um, my, I went to, get, you know, try to see many different therapists, um, doctors, psychotherapists, all of them prescribing medication, you know, there was one for um, nightmares, there was one for depression, one for anxiety, one for focusing, one for sleeping, <laughs> one for, I mean, literally I was on eleven. 11- one for not sleeping. Yeah. There- <laughs> there was 11 different medications that I was on and I was a walking zombie. I couldn't feel, I couldn't function. I couldn't, it was really, um, it was really a bad, bad time. Um, so, you know, going
0: through that. And just to, I don't know if you realize, but you have just basically covered all the all the aspects of grieving. So for, let me just put a bow on them for a second and then Mm -hmm. we'll keep moving forward is, you know, you talked about being in denial and then shock, shock and then denial and then anger and then depression, probably some bargaining. You know, you talked about the bargaining. What if I would have went over? Mm -hmm. What if this? That's bargaining. That's what bargaining is. And, and you can flip flop back and forth and, and, backwards and forwards between these different aspects of grief. And so many people just get stuck and they don't ever get to the last phase, which is acceptance. And so what we're talking about here is, you know, you being able to move through all of that and get to a point of acceptance. And, and it doesn't mean you forget. It means you accept and you find peace in the middle of your actual experiences that you're having. So. So I, so go on, go on. I just wanted to kind of, you know, say that's all those phases of grief that you went back and forth and then you're prescribed all this medication. All that does is numb you up. Mm-hmm. And so for people who are here, who, who watch porn, if they have those things going on, those feelings can be unbearable. And if you, I love the way you put it, you try to go find help, but if people don't know how to help you, or if their framework is prescriptions they'll prescribe something for you and they may not be able to help you get to the root of it. In my philosophy, what I try to help people do is to get to the root of the pain, figure out what the traumas are. And, and you're, you know, we've been working together for a long time and you've been working in addiction for a long time. So you even know how to peg your patterns and your mom's patterns. You can see them, even when you can see them, it's hard to get out from underneath them. You're but exactly right. You can't even see them, you know, codependency patterns that you have, with your mom your mom has that helping to help other people plus addictions she has her own trauma from her childhood like there's so much and we all experience these things on different levels you know and yours is on a very big level so what what helped you to get to acceptance
1: well to be honest um even when you reached out to me um i had stopped working at freedom house you know just the the fact of seeing My office was in a place where I, you know, anybody who come to get water or ice, you know, I could hear them. So anytime that door opened, my mom would yell, you know, "Hey Jamie!" You know, or just make some, you know, or so the
0: context. So yeah,
1: um, it really became a, a place that was unbearable to to be at, and you know, not only to add on to that, being on all that medication, um, I ended up falling asleep at the wheel and ended up getting a DWI a couple of weeks right after that. Um, because all that medication really just, I was a zombie, but I thought because the doctor was telling me you need to take this, that it was what I was supposed to do. Um, so something that my life went to great, everything's working out. I just got a brand new car. Um, you know, my life, you know, I've been at this job for six years. Everything's great to, Unbelievable devastation. My life is ruined. I can't believe that, you know, what are people gonna think of me? Um, it was literally the and and not only that, I went from helping people to feeling like I didn't have a I didn't have a purpose, and that really drove me to thinking other thoughts as far as okay, well, you know, you live and then you die and then that's it. So three months after that, my, my twin sister had ended up passing away. So that only added on to (laughs) the, you know, spiral that I was going down. Um, and it really, you know, my life had, had, had just, um, it was hard. I was in a black hole and I could not dig myself out. And Dr. Lee uh, reached out to me. And I got a phone call one day, and she was like, I'm Dr. Lee, and you know I saw you on LinkedIn. I see you worked here. Tell me what you did there. And so we talked, and we we had a really wonderful conversation. I think that that, One meeting, we talked for like an hour, an hour and a half or something like that. Um, But it was amazing. I was like, oh, God, you're fascinating. I think you're, you know, um, just what what I had had just talking with her, I thought she was amazing. Um, So I come to work with Dr. Lee and I had to take the 90 day program as a, you know, to get to know what this program is about. And, you know, um, I started actually doing the things that she was telling me to because you know if this is going to help up which I people, didn't
0: tell you have no do, but I'm you, glad you, you didn't did.
1: you said you know you just need to know what 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 this is about. And so I started implementing everything. And these are very short lessons. So you know three to 10, 12 minutes a day, and then an action step. Um, and, and you know, every day was different. There were things that she told me that, or, you know, she would say, and I'm like, God, how does she know that? You know, like, <laughs> you know, it just, it sounded the whole time
0: like she was talking directly to me.
1: Um, but it's because she... And knew- what's so
0: cool is you have such a background in addiction. And so, and you told me this, and, and actually Zach too, who's working with us, Zach took the program. He's like, you know, I know a lot about this. I didn't know half the stuff in that program, Mm -hmm. you know, and you too, it's like, you know, have such a background in addiction. And then you take a program and it's got stuff that you can't information, you know, action steps that you haven't learned elsewhere. So that's why I'm so excited for people to know, like that. It really, it's not just the same old thing that you've heard somewhere else.
1: No, this was a completely different, um, look and and um it was a completely different there were these light bulbs that just went off that you know oh wow that's why it happened that makes so much sense and you know it was you know these exercises that I you know morning routine and you know changing up certain things and doing things differently and how you put that fake great you know on you got that (laughs) smile on making people think that your life is great but you know you're you're dying inside. So, you know, it it really opened my eyes to what I was really going through and um we got to the trauma piece and that trauma piece was absolutely the only thing that helped me deal with with recovering and really actually um accepting what happened and um there are exercises in there to truly be able to move through it and feel it. Now, the first time I did it, I I didn't feel the feelings as strongly as I thought I should have. So I continued with the program and I went back to it. The second time that I did it, I cried like a baby. I (laughs) felt those feelings. I let them move through me. I, there was a weight that was lifted off my shoulders that I cannot explain um, it was an absolutely amazing experience um and I'm so grateful for dr and, Lee. and
0: and we now know that we you get and I get them too we've gotten probably hundreds of emails about yeah. the trauma section yeah. How long do I stay in it? I don't feel like I've gotten everything out of it, but I also don't want to move on past it. And, you know, that's probably the number one question that we answer is stay in it as long as you need to, but make a plan to revisit it. And, you know, and I am so appreciative that you're sharing your story because when I share stories online, I don't want to, you know, make up some grandiose example for people to, Someone actually just wrote a comment on YouTube. And this is what I'm thinking about is that like, I get what you're saying about this, but you know, that's that's such a low-key example. Couldn't you give a bigger example? And I'm like, I don't want to put some triggering big example just out of the blue. So you sharing your story of big, you know, losses and big trauma, and you know, how you were able to move through it. And you know, it's so cool because I talk to you all the time and you're still implementing all of these wonderful things in your life and you're glowing these days, and you're you're talking me off a ledge. <laughs> Where I'm like, listen, and you're like, it's gonna be fine. You text me, <laughs> get your action together. It's gonna be fine, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> right, that's like totally the student has become the master. But it's such a beautiful thing. It that, is like it really is, and you know that is what I wanted people to know is that grief doesn't have to pull you down. There's so many people that I know that. And, you know, with good reason, if you never came out of that, it would be with good reason, like losing your mom in that way. It's unspeakable and it's unthinkable that anybody should have to endure that. And your sister and, and your father passed also, like it has been just a hell of a year for you. And the fact that you can show up and with newfound purpose With excitement to be able to help people because we feel that when we're working with people, it's like, it's absolutely amazing to be able to show up for people. But I congratulate you for being able to put those steps into place because that was not a requirement. But obviously, if you're gonna make the changes in your life to be able to get to the other side, that's the only way that you can do it. You have to stick to it.
1: And, and the changes that you give are very, they're seamlessly small changes that you have to make. These are not huge, life-changing action steps. These are literally, you walk through this program and she's giving you, you know, this, this, the theory behind why she's telling you to do this. So, you know, obviously your professor days really came in handy yeah. because <laughs> you you break down these concepts where people can understand them. And that was the thing for me. You made me understand why I was yeah, feeling okay. the feelings that I was having. And that was the biggest part of this. And whenever I tell you, you know, you need to be talking about your program more. you need to tell them, but <laughs> you're like, you know, no, that's, that doesn't feel comfortable to me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you won't, I will. So other, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want people to know, you know, the impact that it truly has had in my life. And it's not to sell a program. You know, if you're not ready and committed to enroll in a program, you know, continue watching the YouTube videos, because you know, she puts those out every Monday and Wednesday, and you know her podcast. They are all information that is that's going to help you. So you know, know that um, if if you're ready for change and you feel stuck and you can't move forward, this is absolutely the the place that that you need to come. And um, I promise you, if you put the steps and you engage in the program and you do the things that Dr. Lee asked you to, your life will change. There is not a doubt in my mind that, um, you know, it was Dr. Lee's program that saved my life.
0: It This oh, thank job. You so much. I'm so glad to be able to do that. Really? All right. I'm going to, we're going to wrap it up on that note because I really appreciate you sharing your story so much. So thank you again. And I hope people benefit from it. I hope All so, right. Till next time. Right. Thank you. Bye everybody. Have a good day.